0: Welcome to another episode of Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, and today we're going to be going into the strength and fitness approach uh, during pregnancy and postpartum. Today's guest is Brianna Battles. Brianna is the founder of Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism, where she has created online resources for athletes and curriculum for coaching professionals. Brianna, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me.
0: How are you doing today? How's everything going? I know you guys are in uh, California.
1: We are in California. Yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's really good. We have got a lot of moving pieces happening today. Actually, just um, it's launch day for one of the courses and programs that I create. So we got a lot of a lot of things going on. But overall,
0: it's <laughs> good.
1: going summer, you know.
0: Okay, I mean, uh, talk to us. You know, how did you get to where you're at? Tell us your story.
1: Well, I've been in the uh, fitness and strength and conditioning community for about 12 years now, um, working in a lot of different capacities. And then within the last four years, I have, or I guess within the last five years, I've gone into my own, um, found my own path independently, started my own business, um, which started locally and then um, merged into being mostly online at this point where I'm... By coach, coaching professionals and athletes through pregnancy and postpartum, um, and so that's a very specific niche. But really, it is broad when we think about, um, you know, what defines an athlete, which I think is just, um, you know, somebody with who enjoys fitness across a spectrum of um, of interests and abilities. So we, it's not just CrossFit, it's not just you know lifting, it's not just Olympians. It really is um a broad approach to working with people who enjoy fitness. Um, and so when I was pregnant with my son um a little over six years ago, and you know, even still the messaging and information out there is either really generic, like listen to your body, do what you've always done, or it's really broad, um, you know, which or like really extreme, which is, you know, uh, don't lift over 20 pounds or um basically be a badass and just keep on. And the fitter you are during pregnancy, the fitter you are postpartum. And I think all of those messages and information is really damaging and just missing such a a significant piece of the equation for both coaches who were guiding these women and athletes who are kind of left to their own devices to figure it out. And now if we're talking about athletes, athletes want to, like, they're going to obviously resonate with maybe pushing boundaries more so than the um, average person, or maybe it's going to look mm-hmm. different than it did 20 years ago when women were approaching fitness during this chapter. You add the postpartum desire to get back into the routine; it's a huge part of an athlete's identity. Um, and then body image and trying to get your body back. There's so much desperation connected to this chapter in an athlete's life. Um, going through that myself and knowing what it feels like at a personal level, and then being able to take a step back from it and look at um how negligent coaches were and still are myself included back then to really understanding what goes into this chapter it's not just about exercise modifications it's really about um being mindful of a woman's changing body through this particular chapter in her life which then has um implications to the rest of her life so again it was through my own first pregnancy that was very um humbling and eye opening And really um, that felt that desperation in the postpartum chapter. And it really took about um, two years to get my head on straight, get information, um, heal from the inside out, mental health, physical health, a significant diastasis, um, and just find some better information, guidance, and messaging to get out there to initially it was just athletes. And then I realized that like I can preach all day on social media to you know, athletes, but I will have a bigger, more intimate reach if I can work with coaches and practitioners, because then they go on and see so many people in their community. Um, so it's my very long winded answer for like, <laughs> what I do and kind of the backstory on it.
0: That was perfect. That was, no, That was perfect. I mean, I think the most powerful teachers, most, most powerful leaders experience this, I don't want to say trauma, but experience this, uh, uh, I don't want to say negative either, but experience this journey along the way and really have the story that they can come from. Right. I mean, not to say there's not, uh, there aren't really good teachers and coaches and, and instructors that necessarily have an experience what they're teaching. But when you have that relatability and that connection with, uh, that particular moment in time and po- a particular moment in a person's life, that means a lot. So that's, I mean, that's, that's awesome. And the fact that you took that, right, you're, you took your experience and created an opportunity to impact hundreds of not thousands of people at this point.
1: Yeah. It's been pretty incredible to see the growth of what started out as just some basic information to then being education and then see it turn into more of a movement and culture within the female athlete community. Um, that's really what I'm going after because there is so much dogmatic information in the birth community and the motherhood community, and even in the fitness industry, like there's just so much dogma that, you know, I try to say there's no right way, but there's a lot of different options and choices. And when you can really look at like what your ultimate goal is and what your needs analysis is now, especially on behalf of your long-term health and safety, function, performance, all of those things, um, you know, like that's kind of what we're going after. So it's, it's not about having an agenda. It's about having a conversation and, um really combining as many variables as we can to get some better info out there,
0: yeah I think that conversation that 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 conversation is super important right like like you just mentioned first of all, pregnancy is hard <laughs> before uh, during after the whole thing I mean being a woman is hard I mean as a man, I completely understand, and I don't mess with that <laughs> yeah. but um. You know, then having going through that, not only being hard, not not only being uh, trying uh, experience, but then you want to keep this athleticism, you want to keep this physical activity or uh, stay healthy. Maybe, you know, maybe you're not a, you weren't an athlete, you weren't very active, but, you know, you see the importance of being active. And now you kind of want to have some type of uh, routine that uh, helps you with uh, circulation, you know, headaches and all that stuff. But you have this information. Well, now it's a little bit more, uh, you have a little more resources like uh, your programs and your resources now. But before, like you mentioned, there wasn't, there wasn't any of that. So you had to either push through or be scared for your life and not do anything and wait till after. And even then you had these things that could have been, um, prevented, but in a sense, again, there wasn't any resources. So I think opening that conversation, like you just mentioned, and now having these resources and people that actually, have experienced those things and can relate to them, I think it's super important. So I think you're doing something and you have created something that's really, really valuable.
1: Yeah, I I really think so. We, you know, because the sentiment that I felt a lot, um, which accompanied a lot of resentment was why didn't I know, why didn't anybody tell me? Why was this not part of any curriculum? Like in undergraduate, graduate, like any certifications, this like basically coaching female athletes was not beyond like, Honestly, beyond puberty and and Mm -hmm. menstruation, like that was just like very broadly spoken Mm -hmm. about. But, as far as coaching female athletes, especially pregnancy and postpartum, like that was not talked about in any capacity of my education certifications, whatever. And then a lot of the other educational resources were very outdated and did not resonate for what we were actually seeing this huge pendulum swing of more extreme approaches to basically be a badass that was getting a lot of glorification and it's like, Oh, you're so amazing. Um, But like, there needs to be more to the conversation with that than that. Like we already have badass women. Like that's not, there's nothing to prove to ourselves or anybody else. And it's, you know, motherhood sort of forces you to adapt to a lot of ever changing demands. And uh, pregnancy is that first introduction of it. And we have to be able to give and be um, a little bit more adaptable, both in uh, with our mental approach to it and our, our training. So um, yeah, so I try to rally against that message because I still get that. I still get DMs where people are like, why didn't anyone tell me? And I'm like, well, I mean, I've been trying for about six years to just, you know, put good information out there. Um, because it really did not exist before. And anything that was out there for athletes before was very much a culture of, um, you know, just, just be a badass pregnant woman and you're not broken, you know, like you're invincible. So we're not invincible, but we're not, um, and we're not vulnerable, but we're not invincible either. So now, um, I've tried to counter that feeling with, of the, why didn't anyone tell me why isn't, why didn't I see or know any of this? Um, by putting out a lot of different free resources for athletes and coaches to download so they at least have some context. They have a point of reference. Now, is a free resource enough? Like, no, it is not enough. I mean, we have like what to expect when you're expecting. We have all these different baby contraptions that we buy as new moms or as pregnant moms. But like, we're totally looking over a huge, like a very significant part of our wellness and well-being, which is knowing how to approach our training during pregnancy and then coaches sort of don't want to deal with it. Cause they're like, Oh, like, well, I'm not pregnant. I'm, mm-hmm. or I'm a dude. And I don't know, just listen to your body. And so then coaches are passing off this responsibility to the women who are like, okay, well, I just don't want to like, I don't want to stop my training. I don't want to go off in the corner and be removed from my class or, you know, I, or I'm feeling like symptoms, but I'm too embarrassed to say something. And so there's a lot of coaches that don't, don't really understand how to coach this population either. And you know some some pushback I get is like well it's kind of a special population but mm-hmm. for the majority of people who are in personal training um small group coaching coaching women uh, CrossFit whatever it might be we see uh, like there's an influx of women who have had babies that's a huge mm-hmm. demographic of people that are in the gym and training so it's not a small it's not like a you know, a very specific population, you know, pregnancy might be a temporary chapter, but postpartum is forever. And there's a lot of different symptoms that women experience, and they don't have that first line of defense of information and messaging from coaches to help them navigate what this means for their fitness and what they can do to train and rehab, um, still do what they want to do, but do it in a way where they're being very mindful of their specific considerations. We know how to work with people who've had knee surgery, shoulder surgery, have this pain, this ache. Yet we don't know how to work with pregnant and postpartum women. And that is a hugely, it's a huge disservice for um, as coaches. And it's and it's not fair for the athletes.
0: How does that conversation, I guess, if somebody wants to approach you, you're starting to work with somebody, uh, what does that conversation or how does that conversation go about?
1: Like if I'm trying to work with an athlete or a coach?
0: Um, I guess we can go athlete first. Like the person that either uh, is about to get pregnant, and they want to kind of prepare or someone that right. is pregnant. Uh, pregnant postpartum and wants to kind of start to or really be a little bit more mindful of how they're moving and working out and right. taking care of the fitness
1: yeah so the first thing I talk to any athlete who reaches out to me it's usually like hey I just found out I'm pregnant can you uh, give me some some pointers and I'm like okay mm-hmm. first like let's go download this information because that's free and it's like it's good to have more context than just a DM or an email or whatever Um, but Ultimately, my first conversation with them after they've looked over that stuff so they know what I'm about, they know what they're going to at least have a heads up about, um, is I'm going to ask what their goal is. Like, What do you want out of your pregnancy and what do you want out of your motherhood? Because when they can like look beyond just being pregnant and look into what they want their lifestyle to look like when they have a one-year-old or what they want mm-hmm. their lifestyle to look like when they have a five-year-old, um, that kind of helps set up some of the adaptations that might need to happen during pregnancy because we're such an instant like gratification culture and what feels good in the moment might not necessarily be like what is most sustainable for our long term. And so I think it's easy to lose sight of like fitness as part of our, it's like a lifetime um, thing that we're choosing to participate in. But, and so there's no point in trying to like maintain or hold on, and be hellbent on, you know, not making adjustments during pregnancy when really like we have our whole life to be in the gym. And there's a, so much we can do during pregnancy to stay um, athletic and strong and fit. We just don't have to do it at this like all or nothing kind of mentality. So I, yeah, I, I usually just start out by asking them like what their goal is, and then um, address what I call like an athlete brain mindset, which is, which is kind of that that resistance to wanting to make a lot of changes. They want to keep doing something and it's not necessarily they're trying to prove anything, but it's just, there's this fear and anxiety of and competitiveness and maybe a little bit of being stubborn of not wanting to let go because it feels good. And it it is a Mm -hmm. huge part of their identity. And so the willingness to just surrender to some things and adapt new ways of doing things on behalf of their changing core, their pelvic floor, their performance, all of these things. And so, when I can have that big picture conversation, a lot of times that's where the buy-in comes from because it's not just well, we'll make some exercise modifications. No one needs me for that. They need mm-hmm. me for the bigger um, spectrum of training approach and strategies and mindfulness of um, new demands on their body.
0: A lot of times, what I, I mean, what, what I just heard is basically trying to plan ahead and create that journey. A, you, you made a great uh, analogy of as far as like the instant gratification. Right. Very easily do we get stuck in that uh, rat race of what can I get out of this? What can I get? What can I do right now? Right. Uh, but a lot of times, I mean, pregnancy is not one month it's nine months. And then you have a child, which just changes your life. Right. And your lifestyle changes. Um, and I like this athlete brain mindset, because my next question was going to be, how, how does the mental health and the mental mindset uh, play a part uh, in this in this journey, in this pregnancy and postpartum fitness strength uh, journey? And, and you mentioned Especially as an athlete, me myself, I was an athlete uh, in college, and we definitely get into this competitiveness, right? And we also get into this. Okay, this is what worked for me the last year or two, and I've done really well. Now, what do I do? Now, what happens? So it's almost like you get down on yourself a little bit, but uh, you also try to stay to doing what is traditional and what has worked. But then you have uh, this—you have to pivot because now you have uh, another life form that you have to not only nurture. Uh, but your body now is starting to evolve uh, and modify in a sense. You have, to re- you have to regress in order to progress later on, uh, which is kind of what I'm hearing here.
1: Right. I mean, and it, and it doesn't even have to be dramatic. You know, when we talk about our mental health, like our mental approach is what's going to help dictate our physical approach. And that's why I think acknowledging that there's there's a lot of emotions and identity mm-hmm. and routine attached to the decisions that we make. Like, I'm going to do... I'm going to keep running till I'm nine, nine months pregnant because I can't imagine my life not running basically. But it's like, okay, but like fitness can be really fleeting, you know? And I feel like I've had to, you know, as an athlete, my entire life, I've had to say, who am I beyond what I can physically do? Because if all of that is taken from me, am I still Brianna? Am I still a good mom? Am I still a good leader? Am I still a good coach, regardless of what I can physically do? And it's really humbling. And it's not that like, fortunately, that nothing's been, you know, being totally taken from me. But I think it's just being like really adaptable and knowing that we are still really incredible. And it has nothing to do with what we physically do. We have a lot that we can offer. Um, And then the best athletes I know are willing to go there. They're willing to be adaptable. They're willing to dive into new ways of doing things um, in order to play the long game. And Mm step outside of the right now and knowing like, hey, I will do whatever it takes to have a really healthy pregnancy at least in the ways that I can control and exercise is something that we can control um and and just know that I'm doing this um like on behalf of what I want to do later and you know there is nothing to prove I'm still worthy I'm still strong I'm still um able to do a lot of what I want to do even if it means I'm adjusting some variables to do it like just because you know, everybody's doing burpees and I'm like, you know, burpees aren't super comfortable anymore. Doesn't mean that you're not like good enough. And these are, these are real conversations that people are super freaked out about um, because they don't want to feel like they are less. And I think it's changing the message. And then the culture and the environment of being able to say, uh, you're still enough. You're doing enough. You're doing more than enough. This is you know that we have a lot of choices and options here to support you long term. You have nothing to prove, and um, being given that assurance and sometimes permission to just be adaptable um, can create a lot of freedom.
0: Permission is a very, very strong and powerful word you just said there, yeah. um, because we get it. I don't want to say entitled, but you get stuck in this in this uh, sphere, right? Especially when you start to build yourself. Uh, let's say as an athlete you start to really you, you, you evolve you evolve as an athlete your mindset your body everything evolves and now again um, when you are kind of strayed a little bit from that whether through uh, an injury or, or or even pregnancy something where your body now you have to modify um, you almost have to give yourself hey it's okay to slow down a little bit to now go faster later on right, right. Um, many times we uh, had an, another podcast or was it yeah yesterday with dr Jacob a party and we were talking about capacity right a lot of times people do uh way too much for way too long or too little right for too long so um a lot of times it's understanding hey it's okay to draw back a little bit you know your body's changing your body's you know uh, now experiencing some uh some evolution so it's better for you to kind of bring it back a little bit so that now you can now uh start to progress in a different way um Rather than trying to push forward without having that capacity or having that uh, ability to to keep up where you were, and again, like you mentioned, it's that permission to say, "Hey, it's okay. Um, it's not like you're getting worse. And it's not like you're any less. Right. Uh, you're still the same person, but you know, you're just just taking another path uh, just right. for the moment being." So I think that right. that's a very powerful word.
1: You know, but it's like the fitness industry where we glorify what is shiny and like what mm-hmm. is fancy and badass like nobody's clapping for somebody making modifications because she's been up all night vomiting like no one is they don't even know she's pregnant yet and she's trying to show up to class and mm-hmm. get through but then there's this like external pressure to do more and to be more and to still show up and like that's where you know when you've been accustomed to be an athlete your whole life it's so humbling it's so frustrating and you just because it's such a culture within the fitness industry. And even just like for women in general, because like my mom 30 years ago, certainly wasn't training like an athlete during pregnancy or postpartum. It took my sister and I going to college for her to like, to really get into fitness. So we've seen this huge pendulum swing of what we're in, like what's encouraged as part of a pregnancy and motherhood culture. And so like, I guess we just have to take a step back and say, like, it's okay. We are still incredible and we're still Mm -hmm. doing what's like. I try to, something I say a lot is like, don't let having a fit pregnancy get in the way of having a healthy pregnancy because Mm. we've seen that, like, where we're just pushing boundaries. And it's usually out of a lot of our own fear and insecurity of, like, well, I don't want to lose my numbers. I don't want to lose my ability to pull up. I don't want to lose this. And it's like, you guys, we're only getting older like, and progression is never linear. Like we're going to have setbacks. We're going to have pauses. We're going to have deloads. We're going to have like fitness is going to be ever evolving for us. And it is never Mm -hmm. this linear, beautiful process. It's a frustrating process. It's just pick your variable. What is it this year? What is Mm -hmm. it? We don't have that much control, but the control we do have is our approach for where we're at right now.
0: How does that conversation go with coaches that you are educating on helping athletes um, go through this? You
1: know, I, typically it's a lot of light bulb moments because, you know, and it's, it's even giving them permission to say like, I, I am qualifi- qualified enough to be having this conversation with them because if I'm not, mm. this, like our doctors are giving generic information, either do what you've always done or don't lift over 20 pounds. Neither of those are typically um, very helpful for the majority mm-hmm. of people that I work with. Um, and then you, you know, so, and often by the time coaches are coming to me, they know who I am and they know what I'm about. Um, mm-hmm. know that my message and approach is maybe a little bit different than what we traditionally see. And it's not really dogmatic. Like I don't care how you have a baby. I don't care how you feed your baby. I don't care. Like, you know, I, all I want you to, all I want for my athletes and this affects coaches is for them to feel really supported in their process so that they're not saying why didn't anybody tell me i want to lay it all out and say this is what diastasis is this is what prolapses here's incontinence here's a symptom here's how to listen to your body here's how to navigate your pregnancy so that you're controlling as many factors as you can and then mentally you're able to surrender to a lot of the variables that may or may not come up and so you know we could see like what's frustrating too is you know, someone can do everything quote unquote right, whatever that means, and still have a significant birth injury because birth in and of itself is really kind of unpredictable. There's so many factors or really have like postpartum depression that feels crippling. But even though they tried so mm-hmm. hard to have this like perfect pregnancy and experience, but there's just things we can't control. And then you can see the opposite where somebody made like no modifications and they had like full athlete brain and we did not let up at all. And like, they just went for it all through pregnancy and they seem outwardly like totally fine. And maybe they are, but I always feel like there's a lot more to the conversation that just we're not having, especially on social media. Right. Um, and so, you know, getting coaches to be the person who like there's, I call coaches like our first line of defense. They're in the trenches. They are the ones seeing these athletes day in and day out who can First and foremost, be a friend and not come at this with a, a judgmental attitude, but a supportive one where it's like, I'm not going to tell you to not do X, Y, or Z, but I'm going to have a conversation with you about what your goals are and how we, how we can approach it in a way that's really supportive of your goals. So um, so I think like arbitrary guidelines aren't super helpful. And I get that people want that, but if we're a coach, then we can work specifically with um, the person who's in front of us.
0: I think what I hear from what you're saying is that you give uh, these coaches confidence to, to build the relationship and give the support that these athletes uh, are looking for, right? And need right. for being uh, completely honest, right? right. Um, we just- all need guidance. We all need coaching. Sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I mean, because it's not, it's also something to take into consideration as I think we think pregnancy is about a year. Postpartum is you know, oh, you're cleared at six weeks. Well, like, no, that's not how this works. And then, you know, okay, well, you're only postpartum for a year. No, like you're literally postpartum forever. So if you have a 50 year old woman who's coming to you with stress incontinence and doesn't want to do double unders or doesn't want to do box jumps or doesn't want to run, but that matters to her, like, do you know as a coach, A, who to refer to? And do you know how to help at least with like strategies and adjustments from the outside in? And we should, because this is this is the majority of people that we're coaching every day. Um and these are very common symptoms that a lot of women are dealing with or didn't know could even be addressed thirty years, you know, ago when they first had their babies or whatever. hmm So that's another what are, another consideration.
0: What are common, I guess, um fears when it comes to an athlete and they are uh trying to stay active? So I'll give you two examples. The first one being a um uh, very active person that has been active for the last 3 years that we can say a competitive athlete or competitive crossfit uh, or somebody that's just been active whether through boot cancer, or high intensity classes um what are one of their fears uh when it comes to being pregnant and trying to stay active through pregnancy
1: hmm. um unfortunately i think and this is what i experienced too yeah. um, is a fear of seeing your body change so much and not being mm-hmm. able to do a lot about it. Like there's just, I don't want to get too big. I don't want to gain too much weight. I don't want to have all this because we associate bigger with worse or bigger, mm-hmm. with less beautiful, bigger with less able. And like, that is, it is so problematic. It's not, even, it, it's, it's actually a, a huge obstacle for me um, when talking with athletes and coaches, because I know that the root of so much of it is that physical transformation that they're going through where they can't really do anything about it. And then if they try to control that and rally against it, they know that they're harming not just themselves, but like their baby too. And so it's this huge responsibility and shift in what we do, how we do it, um, and that feeling of loss of control which athletes are just so used to being in control like and if they feel something going outside of their control they work really hard to control it right so um that is a universal truth for i'd say a lot of people um and then others it's the responsibility that they feel to to perform um like mm-hmm. and they don't want to lose their numbers too dramatically they don't want to lose their abilities they they have a lot of satisfaction from from their performance and what they're able to do, whether that's external or internal, it's just really, it feels good. Um, And so that's another, that's another challenge that I think a lot of us experience is just, okay, like this is a chapter where I'm not getting that external validation or even that internal validation. And Mm. that's where I think we have to do so much work from the inside out. And then the messaging that we see on social media and, and coaches and practitioners kind of coming together and say, and and praise the little things, and praise the adjustments, and 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 make women feel, or help them feel more empowered, um, to to make adjustments where that becomes commonplace rather than seeing um, an extreme approach, I guess.
0: I mean, for the changing body, it's I mean, you have like uh, C-section scars, you have dyspareunia. Um, I mean, those are I can only assume are very scary for women when experiencing and stuff that they're thinking about through their pregnancy. So I could only imagine, but it makes things worse when you have all this negativity, um, you know, negative information. And none of this is really helpful, but when you have resources like the ones that you provide on your social media and on your website, it gives, it gives them confidence where it's saying, okay, this is, this could happen and this is what I could do. Um, And then if I want to stay active, these are things that I can kind of put in place and make sure that I'm staying active, but also too in that active component, as an athlete you work so hard to get to a certain point you're like oh my gosh i don't okay. want to lose that but like we have and we've had this conversation already is it's not necessarily that you're losing you're just taking a couple steps back to take a couple steps forward because now your lifestyle your modifications uh are going to see to that now your, your your progressions um again like we mentioned progressions are not always linear but in the fact that they're always moving forward is, is is the goal so i thought that was pretty pretty valuable
1: yeah absolutely what about
0: What about for coaches? What are their biggest fears when it's working with um, women, either pregnant or gonna get pregnant or maybe even postpartum?
1: Yeah, I think it's overstepping, like not wanting to come off poorly. Um, So I think that's the first is like a really well-meaning coach who's just like, I don't really know how to approach this lady. Like she really is kind of hell bent in doing it this way or that way. Um, Another, I feel, fault of coaches. And this is like kind of where I fell into was um, like, well, I know better. She's fine. Like, cause we're looking at it from an ability standpoint. And so just because you can perform something and they feel fine, or they say they're listening to your body, their body doesn't mean it's always the right choice. So it comes down to that. Can I versus should I, and then coaches being able to communicate that well, because then that helps. helps everybody's understanding like it helps a coach understand like well obviously she can i'm seeing her do pull-ups but at this point in her pregnancy that's probably not a wise choice just because of the amount of mm. pressure that she's creating in order to accomplish that movement when she has a baby pushing on her linea alba on her pelvic floor and like whatever like so that's a high demand mm. movement and so it's not really a movement that's worth it and then the coach being able to have that like you know critical decision making um on behalf of their athletes, like long-term performance and function again, in the ways that we can control. Cause we can't, you know, we can't prevent anything, but we can, um, manage how we perform our movements, the volume, the intensity, um, even the position of them, like all of that is really adaptable. We just have to have coaches that get it.
0: So communication is key. And I guess that sometimes is the hardest thing to do appropriately uh, when it comes to being a coach and trying to uh, build this relationship with an athlete that may be pregnant or is, again, after their pregnancy and deciding whether, like you mentioned, (laughs) okay, you can do that, but should you be doing that? And is it appropriate at a certain time in your pregnancy? Uh, Which I think is super important. Um, When it comes to... When it comes to having the conversation and creating this communication, what's the best way uh, for a coach to approach that when it comes to an athlete?
1: I think it's just coming back and you know, having a really honest conversation, say, like, I want to support you through this chapter. I want to know what your goals are. And I want you to know that everything I'm going to help guide you on is based off of what you told me initially. Because our athletes are going to say, I want to have a healthy pregnancy. I want a mm-hmm. mom who like works out with my kids. I want to be able to you know, go on a hike. I want to do this. I want to make sure I, I'm being mindful of my pelvic health or that I like, you know, in, in managing any the potential of symptoms mm-hmm. or current symptoms, things like that. So like, that's what they're going to say, or they want to get back. You know, they want to make a run for the Olympics or they want to go to the CrossFit games or they want to compete in powerlifting or they want to do triathlons. Cool. So you collect all that data, all that information about them. And then you say, based on everything you told me, like we need to have a, like this is how we're going to structure your pregnancy. And it might feel frustrating some days, but play the long game. Play the long game because there's not, you can't control a lot of things, but exercise is something we can control. And, you know, we can make adaptations in order to keep that long-term goal in mind.
0: What are your uh, top three, how can I say this? Your top three recommendations when keeping positive positivity and uh, courage motivation when it comes to being active through your pregnancy.
1: Well, probably gonna have a little different answer here. I don't have to. I don't have to, the majority of people I work, with, I don't have to encourage them to work out. They're already buying. Okay. They know they know that it's beneficial. Um, they know that it's good for them. They know it makes them feel good. Um, I think it's almost the opposite <laughs> when you're okay. like the positivity is the spin of, Hey, like if you're feeling really sick, it's okay to take a day off. Like Mm-mm. it's okay. You can come back tomorrow or next week or three months from now when you're out of this first trimester where you just feel awful and it's okay. You're still fit. You're still going to be strong. You're still, you know, fit enough to birth or like, there's not even such that that's not, that's like such BS messaging anyway. Like you know, like we don't have to convince athletes that they're good enough and fit enough and strong enough. Um, I would tell you them that, you know, that they already are enough, that they they already have a great baseline. And um, so much of this is is out of our control. And so what we can do is surround ourselves with uh, people that will support us and help us make decisions that are healthy for our body and our baby right now in long-term. Um, and then I guess knowing, let's see, maybe a third affirmation. Um, it's kind of like the catchphrase that's become attached to my business, but is to practice brave because okay. it's not about be brave. Like we're trying, but it's about that, that act of, you know, trying to make really brave decisions on behalf of, um, our body, our baby, our training, and just know, like, cause sometimes stepping back is brave. It's not just about like, Mm -hmm. something big. It's like the willingness to take a step back that feels brave because it's uncomfortable. And then being brave into motherhood because it is so hard. It is such a huge transition. And, you know, to be brave against all of the the messaging saying to get your body back in 21 day fix yourself and don't eat any don't eat any carbs, God forbid. (laughs) You know, like and so we're just up against so much BS messaging that is so harmful, especially for a really vulnerable new mom. Like you have a baby You put it on Facebook, and you're like immediately targeted with like really bad programs, and you know just like poor marketing strategies that prey on our insecurities and our vulnerabilities, and you even mixed messaging about diastasis and incontinence and prolapse. And it's like, oh god, like that's not what women need to see. They need to have helpful, trustworthy resources that let them know that this is not. You don't walk out of the hospital. At least most of us, anyway, don't walk out of the hospital with a flat stomach again, we might not fit into Mm -hmm. our clothes for six months or a year or never again. And like all of that is okay. We are all doing our best and finding our own path. And as long as we do that with um, bravery and support and advocacy for ourselves, um, I think that's what makes the most significant difference for athletes across the course of their lifetime.
0: Yeah, everybody, especially now on social media, everybody's an expert, right? You post one thing and everybody has something to say which again some is helpful some of it is not so helpful um, but it's it's I think what you mentioned is is courage is a super super powerful another uh, powerful word because it takes a lot of that to be able to discipline yourself just as you discipline yourself into creating this routine and being athletic and create again being athletic takes a lot of discipline it takes a lot of work to be able to get there but the same amount of work it takes you to be disciplined about your health uh, and about your motherhood, I think that was super, super uh, powerful. Oh, thank you. Now, I know uh, some of the listeners and listening that may not be athletes, or maybe they are, and don't necessarily have um, the guidance. And maybe they haven't looked at your resources, uh, which you should, by the way, right now. We'll link that at the bottom of this podcast. Um, what, are, what are the... the I'm going to give you three because I feel like top three are usually easier to work with. But top three exercises they shouldn't be doing, or, or I don't know if that's too much of a uh, nociceptive type of word, but exercises that you don't necessarily recommend for them to do while they're pregnant. Mm,
1: I, I think it, it's maybe more of like some variables. I think... Okay. Like, So I think dropping, dropping intensity a bit is, Mm -hmm. is a good approach overall. And that's not to say that you can't sweat and get in a really good workout and work out hard and get your heart rate up. It's just like, we don't need to do the workout. Like we're really pushing it, you know, where Mm -hmm. you you just want to kind of fall to the floor and sweat for like 10 minutes. Like that's not the kind of intensity we need to do right now because you sort of lose that mindfulness of how your body feels in the moment. And maybe the stresses to your body. So intensity is one thing, um, load, I think people want to hear, well, don't lift over 75% of your one rep max, but that is not how this works because for some people that still might be a 300 pound deadlift and they can still do that, but that's still 300 pounds against your pelvic floor against gravity with a baby in there, you know? So like, I think really being able to take a step back and say like, it's okay to not lift as heavy as I normally do. And I'm doing this in a way to preserve what I can. Um, so being willing to make adjustments to your body, to, um, the amount of weight that you're lifting that's, so that's pretty critical is adjusting load and then adjusting it even more throughout the course of your pregnancy. By the time you're in your third trimester, it's not about lifting heavy. Um, it's not about like trying to, you know, basically if you feel like you have to brace and hold your breath and do this like elaborate powerlifting setup, like you just, you don't need that right now. Like this is not the time to create more pressure on an already very pressurized system. So, Mm -hmm. um, so dropping load in a way that you feel is, um, significantly easier and less because you can still train movement pattern. You can still train demand. um, you just don't have to grind it out and you don't have to have this elaborate bracing strategy right now. You can have that later. Um, and then the amount, what's that?
0: No, no. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay.
1: Uh, Third would be starting to reduce um, impact and dynamic movements where in this timeline totally varies for everybody, but I'd say typically around that between like 12 and 20 weeks is where we see a lot of people are like, yeah, you know what? It's not really comfortable anymore. We see structural changes to the body. Their belly pops more. Um, Maybe Mm -hmm. they just feel more stress or pressure on their abs or their pelvic floor. And so we don't really from at least from combining a women's health and strength and conditioning perspective, I'm trying to merge both of those. So I know that people will try to argue either side and I'm trying to merge them, um, be able to say like, okay, so maybe right now is not a time to add a lot of like stress and high neuromuscular, higher neuromuscular demand movements. Um, right now and high impact as far as like running or jumping or doing a lot of plyometrics like that's a lot of force for the system to um to withstand especially repetitively so um and high impact is oftentimes a lot of high volume so Um, It's just being really mindful of those variables, like intensity, load, volume, and then the willingness to adjust based on where you're at in pregnancy, what your body is experiencing, and then the long-term goal of like, well, maybe I could do double unders or jump rope right now. But you know what? Like, it's just not a wise decision. There's a plenty of other movements that I can do that will simulate cardiovascular output, (laughs) you know?
0: Love it. Now, my next question is top three things that you suggest. I guess I would say recommendations uh, instead of do's and don'ts uh, for postpartum.
1: Mm, First up is to go see a pelvic floor physical therapist or women's health physiotherapist, um, pelvic health physical therapist in your community. And if you're like, I live in the middle of nowhere, then find somebody who is two hours from you and make the drive, even if it's just one time because we only have one body and one and one recovery per baby. And having that kind of feedback on where your body is at will help set up your training long-term, um, your awareness of your body. And I mean, birth is a significant process and injury. Like it's trauma to the system. No matter how the baby comes out, it's still a really big deal. There's no such thing as like, I don't feel anyway that there is such thing as like an uncomplicated birth because the process of growing a baby and, like just the physiology behind that is so complex and incredible and amazing. And like, we deserve to kind of pay some attention to that. Cause if I hurt my ACL, I would have this huge rehab and fitness progression and I'd have people checking in with me all the time and women don't have that after having babies. So, um, after getting cleared from your doctor, midwife, doula, whoever, um, be able to go and see a pelvic floor physical therapist, even if it's just for a one-time assessment, it's critical. Um, And then not just jumping back into a typical fitness routine or class or with your personal trainer, especially if they don't have a lot of context on pregnancy and postpartum, Um, any of the like at home videos are oftentimes very um, abs and, and like high impact based.
0: Mm -hmm. And,
1: you know, also like moms, you're like, well, I just want it. You're cleared. So then they go out on a two mile run because they're like, well, yeah, I'm cleared now. Um, and so I think just women knowing that there's postpartum programs available for a reason and, um, some are at home, some are for the gym. So you can be in the environment that you want to be in with a little bit more guidance for where your body is at right now in recovery. And then third, um, if possible is going and seeing a mental health therapist, because even if you're like, I'm not depressed, I had a great birth, I'm feeling really good. My baby's so easy. Um, motherhood in and of itself is a huge life transition. And there's going to be things to talk about, whether it's your birth story or you know, you're anxious about returning to work, or you're anxious about your husband or partner returning to work, whatever it might be, just going and having a person who is not typically in your life um, to talk to is just so huge. And just for a mom to feel heard because there's so much attention on the baby um initially in that postpartum chapter that moms and their well-being and their needs are very much disregarded. And so if we're really trying to support women, we have to support them from the inside out.
0: Wow. That was, <laughs> that was a lot of fire being spit there.
1: You know, sometimes I get a little fired up. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: And I can't, I can't agree more. I mean, again, I don't know too much about pregnancy. I have worked with, um, two patients that actually one was postpartum and one was actually during her pregnancy and information wasn't as easy to find uh even though we we're able to uh find and do or create a program that was helpful and able to get her through her pregnancy and even post but the big aspect is like you mentioned is finding that practitioner that, that can really guide them um post because uh, a lot of times we tend to try to do things ourselves and like you mentioned it's Having that person that can guide you and support you and understands what you're going through as far as like physically and, uh, or should I say physiologically, is, is super important because they can guide you along the way. Like, even if it's just one session, um, I think it's super important, super valuable to help guide you and steer you in the right direction. Um, and again, postpartum programs. I think that's super important. Something like uh, what Brianna has created in her website and her resources are something that are super valuable, even if you just do it for a few weeks or, you know, a basic program. I think it sets uh, the person up and sets the, the, the woman up into a more of a positive uh, reinforcement rather than just trying to wing it. I think a lot of times we tend to, and we talked about it, right? You might be feeling good and uh, moving really well, but that doesn't mean uh, you're probably at or doing the movements or do the intensity or even the load that you should probably be doing. So I think uh, having that guidance and especially that mental health side um, a worst case scenario, you don't have a mental special or mental health specialist, somebody that you can talk to, um, that you can share your story with. Because I think just having that conversation that we talked about earlier on is going to help you with that communication, help you, um, guide you along that journey. Because even that journey never stops. I think uh, Brianna said a, a very wonderful thing where she said, Postpartum is not just six weeks after, it's after your pregnancy, <laughs> yeah, it's forever. Uh, and I thought, and I never even thought about that. That I think that was super powerful. There's a lot of been a lot of powerful words, a lot of powerful uh, information. But that was something really that I really got to me because it's not something I've ever heard before.
1: Well, thank you. It's what I'm here for.
0: <laughs> um. So, how can they reach you? You know, what are the resources that you have? Let's talk about the uh, pregnancy and postpartum athleticism program and uh, courses that you have.
1: Yeah. So I have quite a few resources, um, a lot of free PDFs. I just kind of outline a lot of the things I talked about today. So it's all on my website at www.briannabattles.com. That's Brianna with two um, N's.com. And so I have a bunch of free resources. And then I have a coach course, coach and practitioner course, which is online educational uh, certification with over gosh, like over 30 different people who helped contribute to the course in um, interviews so that I'm staying within my true scope of practice and then bringing in the professionals that complement it. So everything from quite a few different physical therapists, public floor physical therapists, to mental health therapists, to business strategists, because a lot of people um, take this course and go, oh my God, like I want to start coaching. I want to start, Mm -hmm. um, I want to grow like a really, I want to be the resource in my community to help people. So really have a broad, um, broad list of people who helped contribute to the course, but, um, it really outlines everything I feel coaches need to know about working with this population, because it's not just, well, breathe here and, um, shift your position there. It really is understanding all the different considerations that athletes are navigating during this time and, Mm -hmm. um, educating them on all the different symptoms that they can potentially have, um, And just basic physiology, because this is, again, this isn't any of our, um, it's not part of our education typically. So um, that coach course, we now have, um, we have about 600 coaches around the world who um, have completed it or are working through it currently. So it's been pretty cool to see that grow and see how many communities that information is getting to. Um, So that's pregnancy and postpartum athleticism as the coaching practitioner course. And then I have an athlete course, which is a lot shorter. And it's for the people who email me and say, "Bree, I just found I'm pregnant. What should I do? What should I not do? Like that, you know, is never a straightforward answer. Like anyone who's still listening to this um, has heard me preach over and over now. Um, but that outlines like, if you know nothing else about training through your pregnancy and returning postpartum, at least know these things. Like I would try to cover the mean things that I want. People to know, so it's almost like having me as their coach and in their ear, so that mm-hmm. they have context and context and information in order to make their own adjustments to their training. If they don't want to follow a very specific program, they want to do their own thing. Well, here's here's how you need to approach it, basically, or how I would suggest you approach it with what with awareness and um, strategies. So that's the athlete course that I have. Uh, I just released today, actually, a pregnancy program, which is for the people that are like, just tell me what to do, girl. Just tell me what to do. I just can to follow directions. I don't want to have to think too much. I just want to follow directions. So um, I released that today and um, with one of my colleagues, Heather Osby, and um, that is a 36-week training program for pregnant athletes. And so that's... And then, okay, for... <laughs> postpartum athletes. I have an eight week postpartum program for them to follow that takes them through the rehab phase. And it doesn't, I mean, we're not building straight into performance, but it does progress into a way where they're simulating movements and activities that they like to do routine and structure that they enjoy um, in a way that's very um, it's structured very specifically for a healing body um, with a person who enjoys uh, fitness. So those are the main resources that I have.
0: <laughs> you say it like it's just like, yeah, the, sorry, guys, this is all I have. That's a lot. No, yeah,
1: I'm exhausted from saying it, all that stuff. But that's that's, really that's a lot. But it's amazing. Yeah. I'm very grateful.
0: As we mentioned, super valuable and super needed and necessary, should I say, necessary information and resources. Um, so for those of you listening, don't worry, it should be at the bottom of this uh, podcast in the, the show notes or the description of this podcast. All those links uh, will be available. Uh, social media, Brianna, how can they reach you?
1: Um, I am at like literally at brianna.battles and also the brand um, Instagram is at pregnant period postpartum period athlete.
0: Awesome. Any uh, book recommendations?
1: Ooh, I just finished um, listening. I can you know, reading is hard when you have kids around, they just throw your books and sabotage them. But so I was able to, yeah,
0: I don't do reading either. Books. Audible. Yeah. There you go. Um,
1: I was able to finish. Um, oh my gosh. Dare to lead by Brene Brown. And Dare I know everybody loves Brene Brown, but that was just a really great book for anybody in leadership um, who, you know, just wants a, Somewhat different approach than what we've maybe typically been taught, especially as athletes and coaches.
0: Love it, love it. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned, all the information that uh, Brianna just referenced and her resources will be available at the bottom of this podcast and the show notes. Now, for this last part of the podcast, one of my favorite parts of the podcast uh, is what I call speed round. Speed round is basically three questions um, that I have uh, planned here for yeah. you. Don't get nervous. Okay. Um, and basically, you have. Literally point three seconds to enter. whatever comes up to the top of your head is what you blur out. Oh God! Um, yeah, and it gets us to one is fun and funny uh, for the audience, for the listeners, uh, for both of us as well. Um, but it gets us to know a little bit more about you, Brianna Battles. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, are you ready? I think. Usually, what I say is I usually have a timer here, and I have like I make this annoying buzzer sound but I'm not going to do that this time. Okay. So I'm, I'm you're sorry. safe. I'm anxious. The okay. okay. First question. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Do you turn on the car first or do you buckle your seatbelt first? Car. Interesting. I do the same thing. <laughs> do you, do you sit in your car for a little bit before you kind of get going? That's usually my morning routine.
1: Yeah. I like have to sit there for a second and like,
0: chill. think about life, just- you know,
1: well, I don't gather your really thoughts have much time because i have annoying kids in the backseat like, people <laughs> just like turn on the music and like sit and then go so yeah so yeah
0: this is not part of the question but <laughs> the fact that you said you turn on music what uh what usually do you put on
1: oh okay so um i'm like a weird hybrid of like i love rap music but i love country music so i'm always flipping back and forth between the two
0: what's the first station you put on when you turn on your car
1: Mm, depends time of day and who's in the car with me so if i have my early morning really country music
0: wow country again these are not part of the question but we're just going we're diving (laughs) deep here uh favorite favorite country artist
1: oh man i don't know i like so many really like
0: first one say it
1: um like luke bryan he's he's pretty luke
0: (laughs) okay luke bryan i was really i was really hoping you would say zach brown
1: Okay, he's also great. So like, I'm I'm really just, I like the versatility great, of, like of SiriusXM, you know, like you just you kind of get whatever you get. It takes responsibility yeah. off of me, so.
0: Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Next question, are you ready? Yeah. If you can only eat one thing in the world, what would it be?
1: Mm, peanut butter and chocolate ice cream but like without all the calories you know like if that's the only thing you could eat you have to be without calories or
0: something <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so ice it. cream <laughs> yeah. just ice cream 24 7 Oh god. peanut butter and chocolate I mean,
1: i'd probably get burned out which maybe would be a good thing
0: <laughs> okay okay yeah. we we are getting to know you better here Brianna battle
1: well it's better than saying like a protein bar how boring would that be
0: no, no, I'll completely honest. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm just All right. Um are you ready for the next question? Yeah. Best dance move you have in your arsenal.
1: Oh my god. Like awkward white girl has that a dance move.
0: Listen, whatever. <laughs> it's Listen, you are on the dance floor. It's time To perform your best is do or die. What what are you what's going on? What's what's a dance move?
1: Yeah, like something with like shaking my butt, probably under the influence of a lot of tequila.
0: (laughs) Got it. So convulsing and trying not to hit the ground.
1: Yeah, basically. Try not to fall over.
0: All right. All right. So crazy, crazy white (laughs) girl dance. (laughs) All right. Um, well that concludes speed round. You did a great job, Brianna Battles. Cool. (laughs) Uh Uh, now this last part, is what I call thanks or, or thank yous. So I give three thank yous. Uh, the first thank you is to you, Brianna Battles for giving us the time, your knowledge, your experiences, and just your, your authenticity of the impact that you are bringing to not only athletes, not only to mothers, but just as a resource in general for coaches and for those, uh, looking for, looking for that type of resource. So thank you very much for your time and for your uh, resource and everything that you have done uh, up to now and everything that you will do.
1: Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on the show. And uh, yeah, I'm here. If any of your listeners have questions, um, go ahead and send me a message or an email and I'd be more than happy to help direct.
0: Perfect. And the second thank you goes to our listeners. Uh, You could have been doing anything at this moment, literally anything. You could have been listening to uh, Luke Bryan on your XM radio. You could have been uh, watching your favorite show. You could have been not doing anything else or taking a nap, but you decided to listen, to connect them Move radio and specifically to this episode uh, with Brianna Battle. So I thank you very much uh, for your uh, or for the opportunity to, to share this platform. Because again, we can have great guests and we can have all this knowledge uh, and this opportunity, but if there's nobody to listen, then it's just kind of going into uh, empty space. So thank you very much for uh, being a listener and, and for your support. The third thank you third and final thank you, is to our clients, is to our patients, to our students. Um, thank you very much for valuing what we do. Thank you very much for giving us the opportunity to show our skills and to teach um, and to just share what we love to do and our passion, our daily passion. Because um, I can attest for a lot of people that uh, we wouldn't want to be doing anything else but what we're doing right now. Dream jobs is what we're doing. So thank you very much uh, for giving us the opportunity to do what we love. Um, and to do every day so thank you very much to our clients our patients our students coaches that we teach coaches that we work with everyone thank you very much with that being said this is connect and move radio i'm your host andy fortuna signing out. hey there andy fortuna here and i hope you enjoyed that episode i love the opportunity to connect and share information with passionate people just like you and would love the opportunity to do the same for others. So please take the time right now to leave a five-star review and help spread the word about this podcast. Thank you so much for your support, and see you on the next episode.